Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Sharissa, and I'm here with Pastor Danny. And welcome to Faith FM, our show, Looking Up. And what a wonderful day it is to be able to think about God's word and to remember His promises to us. How are you, Danny? I'm praising the Lord, Sharissa. Thank oh. you so much. I am. He's praising the Lord. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> very good. Well, we're so glad that you are praising the Lord. We've got a very exciting uh, program coming up uh, this afternoon. We are stepping through the book of Daniel, but we want to talk about some events that have been taking place. Uh, first of all, we had Australia Day, so we'll come and we want to talk about that and also all the other events. And I, th I think uh, now would be a good time too to let you know, if you're listening to us right now, that there is a free offer that will be available. It's like a free gift to the first caller in. If you're listening and you like the free gift, you didn't even know what the free gift is, well, we'll tell you soon. It'll it's going to be, be amazing. It will. It's always amazing. So um, this is the number you can reach us on. It's 1-800-FAITH-FM or one 800 324843. You can call us on that number or you can text us on 0491-064-669. And our website is faithfm.com.au. And actually, uh, we thought we'd try something a little bit new add to our program in looking up, and that is if you have a prayer request, something that you would like special prayer for, then uh, Pastor Danny and myself, we'd just be very privileged to pray for you and for that request in our program at the end. So if you'd like to write in first in for the free offer or also to send a prayer request, you can text it or call us 1-800-324-843 or text 0491-064-669. So I'm looking forward to our program today. Pastor Danny, how was your weekend? It was fantastic. Well, yesterday we, we commemorated Australia Day and I know that there has been debate and discussion um, regarding you know, Australia Day, especially in recent years. But I just want to say that I really am thankful to God that I live in Australia. My parents immigrated to Australia just before I was born. And so I've grown up in this wonderful land and I'm just blessed to be in this country. So every time, you know. December, oh, not December, January 26 comes along. I thank God that I live in this country. Me too. I'm very grateful to God that I live here too. And uh, it was a very hot day we had mm. on Australia Day this year. It was a year. steamer, steamer. <laughs> it was a steamer, but yeah, God is good and we're very blessed. So we're going to take a quick music break. We're going to listen to a song called We've Got This Hope and we'll be back with more just after this song. Enjoy. this hope we've got a future we've got the power of the resurrection living within we've got this hope we've got a promise that we are held up and protected in the palm of his hand and even when our hearts are breaking
everyone we've got this hope and uh, we're going to talk a little bit now for the next few minutes Danny and I you're on the show looking up hope you enjoy our time together Uh, Danny the week's just so eventful every time between shows a lot happened since we were last here together what what stands out to you first well, I guess for me, what, what stands out, as, as, as you rightly point out, there is so much happening from one week to the next. Yeah. They say a week's a long time in politics and a lot can happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it comes to world events, especially from a prophetic point of view, it seems that those cogs are turning even more rapidly now mm. than they were even 12 months ago. I guess this past week, I would have to say the inauguration mm. um, of the new president of the United States, the 46th president, um, that fascinates me, not so much uh, from the inauguration point of view, but from a prophetic point of view. And just to see the incredible changes that have taken place in the United States over the last number of decades. And, you know, I think it's quite significant that we have um, the, the second only Roman Catholic uh, to be elected as president. Yes. After JFK, yes, there was it was an elect an, an inauguration like no other, really, with all the military there making sure nothing went wrong, and um, also people had to watch from home, many of them because of this COVID virus going around. And, but yeah, and there were a couple of other firsts in that whole thing, like the opening prayer was said by a Jesuit priest. Is that right? Yeah, and that's the first time I think that's ever happened. Um, yeah, lots of interesting things. Anything else stand out to you from that? Um, well, I guess, I guess, as you pointed out, just the incredible security, mm-hmm. um, the the very sober and somber speech yes. uh, or inauguration speech by by the president um, Joe Biden, really putting it out there that the country is in a crisis mm-hmm. and. And so they will all need to pull together. They'll need to seek to be united. So this this great push for unity, solidarity, where that will go as far as unity is concerned, I mean, only God knows, but the the country is very divided. Um, That's not news to anyone. Whether, Whether the country will be able to unite or not, you know, remains to be seen. Um, I'll be praying Mm. for the new administration. But the Bible does tell us, and we've talked about this in the past, last year in particular, I know you did a series with a couple of others on American prophecies. So the United States is front and center when it comes to Bible prophecies. So the things that are taking place in the United States are extremely important when it comes to when it comes to world events and when it comes to that final crisis that will be centered on worship. Yes. Absolutely. And actually, there was something else in line with what you just shared. And if anyone would like to hear that series, you can go to the end.digital website 
And you can hear that series on America in the end, and, and it's all based on Bible prophecy. And really what we're seeing right now is just amazing. It's like Bible prophecy coming to life. In fact, one of the things that I noted, um, Pastor Danny, as I was watching the news was when they let the cameras into Biden's office for the oh, first yes, time. Oh, yes, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, yeah, they let the cameras in and everybody was commenting on the new decor of his office because he's, he's chosen. He's made specific choices about what statues and paintings come in there and whatever but i noticed behind him he's arranged all his photos and on the left shoulder when you're is it the left well his left and we look at it, it's on his right when you're watching the tv but there's a photo of him shaking the hands of the pope which is like oh yeah pope francis pope francis yeah it's almost like a friend request <laughs> but uh, it was really interesting just amazing yeah it is quite amazing because i mean i i don't know i don't know the you know who who all the characters were there um in the background as far as photos that he had i know obviously there's a lot of family members and stuff and yes. probably some very close friends but to have a picture of of himself with with pope francis shaking hands there in that prominent place yes um uh, you know the first time that he is seated in the oval office as the president signing off um, one executive order after another. I think I commented to you, or, or basically what I could see is almost he was seeking to undo in one day what yeah. the previous administration had signed up in the last four years, yeah. and so that was really uh, interesting. And um, there, there is no doubt in my mind that that President Biden and uh, Pope Francis are on the same page. Mm. There is no doubt. I have. Um, just taken a, a look at some of the some of the language that's being used by both of them, and their, you know, President Biden's, um, I guess his his catchphrase, his slogan was "Build back better, mm-hmm. build back better," mm-hmm. and Pope Francis is using that same language, "Build back better." And it's fascinating that they're both on the same agenda as far as um, globalism is concerned. Very different to, you know, the former president, President Trump, who was very much into America first. And so we know from Bible prophecy that the United States will only lead the world from a globalist perspective. It's not going to be an isolationist perspective where we're America first and we think about ourselves. And, um, and so it's not going to be that. So my personal view... Uh, my personal opinion is that uh, the last four years, the handbrake has been put on hmm. by by the previous administration as far as Bible prophecy is concerned in that in that this globalist agenda that Revelation speaks of. You know, we're not coming up with some kind of conspiracy here on Faith FM. We wouldn't do that. Uh, Revelation 13 very clearly says that at the end of time, the entire planet will follow through um the the according to the dictates of the church of rome which will lead out in this globalist agenda that will have as its focus worship Mm -hmm. and the united states will be the one that will support this initiative from the get-go and then the whole world will follow so how can you have the united states being followed by the whole world unless the united states wants to work in with the whole world yes that's a really good point and certainly, I think the Biden administration has got more of a globalist oh. <laughs> leaning than, than Absolutely. Trump did. Trump I mean, was all about make America great again, looking yeah. after America. But now it's like... Let's... No, it's, it's a globalist agenda now, yeah. well and truly. Uh, Joe Biden has made it clear that the United States is ready mm. to work with and to lead the world mm. together. 
Um, so that that unity aspect um, when it comes to world leadership is coming through. I mean, one of the very first things he did, and he said he would do this, was you know rejoin the climate. Uh, the Paris Climate Change Agreement, which I think that was a second or third executive order yeah. of the, I think, 17 that he that he signed off on the first day, um, uh, coming back into the World Health Organization and so forth. So we're just pointing this out from a prophetic point of view. That's right. uh, as far as I'm concerned, I don't have any political affiliation whatsoever. Mm. My only affiliation is to Jesus Christ and yeah. his truth. And I pray for all. Yes. Prime ministers and all presidents. So, but I think it's really fascinating. Yeah, I think you've raised a good point. The the reason why we 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 think these things are significant is because the Bible said that these things would be happening. Maybe not those specific details that we've shared, but the Bible's given us a very clear picture of what the end will look like. And actually, I'm thinking of a book too called The Great Controversy, written penned by a little lady in the 1800s who I believe had a prophetic gift from God because what she wrote. It's like she's reading the newspaper of today uh, back then, but it's just amazing. So if you haven't read The Great Controversy, you should read it. Um, that's not the only thing that happened of significance in the news. There's something else happening in Victoria. Maybe you want to tell us a little bit more Yes, about well, that. in Victoria, I think we've mentioned this in our previous uh, program, and that is there is a bill uh, coming before Parliament. It's, uh, it's a bill that is very much... Uh, very much geared to uh, preventing discrimination um, of of those who uh, are part of the LGBTIQ plus mm-hmm. community, and uh, this bill has gone further than any other bill. It's uh, it's 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 a bill where where individuals who uh, are asked to pray for someone who who maybe thinking or, or considering uh, uh, changing uh, their lifestyle from an LGBT uh, lifestyle to, to uh, a biblically focused and based lifestyle where even someone who is asked to pray for that person can be prosecuted. Mm. Uh, so it's, it's, it's far-reaching parental rights. Uh, yeah. can, parental rights are, are also under the spotlight whereby if a parent uh, if a parent has a child a young child that feels that they are the opposite sex of what their biological sex is and if they ask for some intervention uh, their parents are are not going to be in a position to to necessarily stop that from happening or to take them to counseling or to explore this or at least to have their child wait until they are an adult mm. and and so on and so forth. So there's a lot. There's a lot to it. Um, it's. It's. Yeah, I've been reading up on on some of the on, on some of the implications of this legislation, and it's quite frightening. It's the most serious challenge to freedom of speech, freedom of religion, and the freedom to bring up your child according to the dictates of your conscience that we have had in this country. And it's not just in Victoria. Some may think, oh, I'm not in Victoria. I'm in New South Wales. I'm in South Australia. I'm wherever outside of Victoria. But the way this law has been framed and it's in the process of, you know, going to the next stage or the final stage in the Victorian Parliament, uh, the way it's framed, it can impact others who are living outside of Victoria who have been asked to give advice or wow. counsel or help. That's amazing, isn't it? And it's 
it's kind of scary to think that you can't raise your children a certain way well without um attracting the criticism of of maybe other powers that be um yeah really children don't know any better i mean that's why you're there as a parent to teach your child how to do life and what what it means to be a little boy or a little girl you know um, it's just an amazing time but definitely a signs of the time and definitely an indicator to us that we need to be looking up looking up to Jesus. yeah indeed and i think that we need to spend a lot of time in prayer regarding yes. this according to my understanding in in february um this bill, according to a news report that I read, would be presented uh, to the upper house. So it's already passed the lower house. Mm -hmm. So it'll be presented to the upper house for a vote on Tuesday, the 2nd of February. So that's next Tuesday. So that's wow. in less than a week from now. Another eventful week. <laughs> yeah, it will be. So we'll see. We'll see where that ends up. Uh, there's been at least... Uh, uh, 100 senior faith leaders in Victoria that have signed a petition against this bill. Many, uh, many Victorians have written in. And so we will see whether this bill is completely shelved or whether it's uh, remodified, taken back to the drawing board. Uh, we'll have to wait and see. But this is very, very serious in that it's going to um, yeah, inhibit uh, religious freedom. And I mean, to the point where you know, I can be preaching on what the Bible says about marriage and the family yeah. and encouraging people to, to follow God's ways and God's will. And yet uh, I can be prosecuted for that. If wow. someone from Victoria hears that message, say, on YouTube and they call me or they email me asking for, for counsel, for guidance, asking for me to help them in their journey to seek God's will for their life. And if I choose to help them if i choose to do what the bible says to encourage them in in the ways of the lord i would i would be prosecuted so it's it's very very serious and it is and it makes me think too you know if daniel lived today and i'm sure we'll get to this again when we come to daniel chapter six but you know there was a time when in when he was alive where laws were made where you couldn't pray to to god you had to pray to the king for 30 days and if daniel lived today what would he do? Would he follow government or would he follow the Lord? And I think he, you know, you look at, and we'll look at this as well in coming studies, I'm sure. But yeah, like, we, will. We, we, we obey the government as, as far as we can. But when the laws of man conflict with the law of God, God must come first. Yeah, well, I think of the disciples uh, shortly after the day of Pentecost that were brought in by the religious leaders and they said they warned them not to speak in the name of Jesus or else. True. And after they'd been beaten and bashed, uh, they said we ought to obey God rather than man. Yes. And so that really needs to be our, our, our motto uh, yes. that, that we live by, ought to obey God rather than man. And I, I mean, I'm happy to say this on radio. If someone comes to me and I don't care what the issue is, whether it's an LGBT issue, whether it's a finance issue, whether it's whatever, I don't care what the issue is. If someone comes to me and asks for God's will in their life for me to help them and encourage them, uh, to follow God's will for their lives, I'll pray for them. If that means I've got to go to prison and be involved in prison ministry, so be it. You might have to find someone else um, on Faith FM. <laughs> but, um, but I think, yeah, the day is coming when we need to make a stand. Yeah. Amen. Well, and on that note, if you have a prayer request that you'd like us to pray for, even just to mention your name in prayer, we'd be happy to pray for you at the end of this show. Well, uh, we invite you to enjoy this song. There'll be the news and we'll be back afterwards. Make your home in me. 
every fox a den, every bird a nest, but the Son of Man has no place to rest. Every heart a man, every king a throne, but the Word made flesh, no earthly home. Your burdens light and your yoke is easy. Your name is love and your grace is free. My heart was locked, but you had the key. Make your home in me. Make You come to me in your homelessness, burning in your eyes, such a great distress. Who will heal your wounds? Who will make your bed? I will comfort you. I will share my bread for your burdens light. Your yoke is easy, your name is love, and your grace is free. My heart was locked, but you had the key. Make your home in me. Make your is free my heart was locked but you had the key make your home in me make your home in me oh make your home in me a road trip up the coast, pop in just off the highway to New Sart Juice at 45 William Street, Raymond Terrace. Grab yourself a fresh, healthy juice or smoothie and check out the op shop while you wait. And remember, every day is a fresh new start. I'm sinking deep in sin Far from the peaceful shore Buried deeply stained within Sinking to rise no more But the master of the sea Heard my despair and cry 
From the waters lifted me, now safe am I. Love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me, love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. All my heart to Him I give, ever to Him I'll cling. In His blessed presence live, ever His praises sing. Love so mighty and so true, merits my soul's best songs. Faithful, loving service to to Him belongs. Love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. Love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. Love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. Love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. That was a beautiful song, Love Lifted Me by Alan Jackson. Welcome back to the program, Looking Up, and now we're very, I'm very excited, Danny, because we're about to begin our Bible study. We are stepping through the book of Daniel to begin 2021, and we're in Daniel chapter 2 this week. Last week was Daniel chapter 1, and what an, what an epic introduction to this study series. So, Daniel chapter 2. Um, should we update them a little bit on last week? Yeah, we should, because in case they missed last week... Um, they may want to find out how they can get oh, hold yeah. of last week. True. Yeah, well, so if you want to get hold of last week, you need to simply go to our website, faithfm.com.au, and go to the podcast section there and look for Looking Up. And our, our um, episode from last week should be uploaded onto the website and you'll be able to hear the first part. That was Daniel chapter 1. So, yeah, what what did we look at in Daniel chapter 1, that very first all-important chapter? Yeah, well, it was really interesting. I remember when we looked at verse 1, uh, basically we find that King Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had come to Jerusalem and besieged it. And right there it looks like from verse 1 that evil is about to triumph. But in the very next verse we saw that the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand. So we see right there from the very beginning that God is in control and actually by the end of chapter 1 we see that God turns defeat into victory because Daniel and his uh, and his three friends there in Babylon uh, they were you know submitted entered into a re-education program to learn the ways of Babylon in the Babylonian university topped off with a change of name 
but um, they purposed, the Bible says in verse 8, that Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself because he had purpose to be faithful to God. Absolutely. And I think that's really the the key text, certainly in Daniel chapter 1. And I would say that's the foundational key text in the whole book because wow. Because based on Daniel's Daniel's purpose to be faithful to God, uh, to stand up for him no matter what the cost, you see how God uses him and how he blesses him throughout the entire book. And uh, not just Daniel is blessed, but you have an entire kingdom. You have two kingdoms because Daniel served during the days of the Babylonian kingdom and he also served during the days of the Medo-Persian kingdom mm-hmm. that overthrew and overtook uh, the Babylonian kingdom. So you see how key and important it is for us in our lives at the very beginning of our journey and each day. I think this would be a great prayer to pray. Lord, today, by your grace and through your strength and the Holy Spirit, I purpose in my heart not to defile myself with the ways and the things of this world, but to be true and faithful to you. And I believe that in the days that you and I are living in, and we talked about that before the break, Mm. you know, our faith will be challenged. Uh, uh, You know, there may be serious implications involved if we remain true to what God says. But if we purpose in our hearts, God will be faithful to us today. So these stories are not just two and a half thousand years ago. These stories are for us today, and the lessons are especially pertinent for those who are living at the very close of human history awaiting the coming of Jesus. Amen. Very uh, like that, um, those thoughts that you've shared. So I guess on that note, we should jump into Daniel chapter 2, and we're going to, maybe we can just read through a little bit, and then we'll just stop and think. So maybe if I read the first part, verses 1 to 3. Yeah, absolutely. Now, we probably just need to, in case people did miss last week and you're just tuning in for the first time, Daniel, we discovered, um, has been brought to to Babylon from Jerusalem, trekked some 1,500 kilometers mm-hmm. uh, to Babylon as a 17-year-old. So he's only young. His friends are only young. They're, they're late teens. And he has been given a three-year education in the king's university, the the Babylonian university, the the most prestigious university in that time in that part of the world, and so now we have now we have the continuation here in Daniel chapter two. Yeah, and actually, a thought just came back to me as you were saying that you know he's he was just seventeen, and there might be people listening to us right now, and they're thinking, well, I'm not seventeen, I'm you know I've many years older than 77. seventy seven. I'm seventy seven. <laughs> Is it too late for them to purpose in their hearts to follow God? Oh, it's never too late. It's never too yeah. late. I love one of my favorite scriptures uh, is found in Hebrews uh, chapter 3, chapter 4, where the author is quoting from the book of Psalms. And it says, Today, yes. if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart today. Amen. And there's another scripture in, I think, First um, or Second Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 2, Now is the day of salvation. Mm. And so it's never too late. While there's breath, there's hope. And the thief on the cross in his last moments (laughs) of life, he cried out, Lord, remember me. And Jesus said, assuredly, I'm saying to you, you know, when when I come back, you'll be with me in paradise. So it's never, ever too late. Whether you're 17 or 117, 
um, it's never too late. While there's breath, there's hope. Amen. All right. So Daniel chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. The Bible says, Now in the second year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams, and his spirit was so troubled that his sleep left him. Then the king gave the command to call the magicians, the astrologers, the sorcerers and the Chaldeans to tell the king his dreams. So they came and stood before the king and the king said to them, I have had a dream and my spirit is anxious to know the dream. Let's unpack that. What stands out to us right here? Well, what stands out to us is that uh, the king is very anxious to know what this dream is. So he has a dream and it's it's obviously uh, a, a dream that is different from your typical dream. It's, it's yeah. a supernatural dream. It, it arrests his attention. And so he desperately wants to know what the meaning of this dream is. Yes. Um, and he approaches a number of different sources to try and find the answer it to this dream. Uh, magicians, people who read signs, astrologers, people who read patterns in the stars, sorcerers, people who communicate with the dead, Chaldeans. How would we describe them? My understanding is that the Chaldeans, they were like the, the, political, um, the political leaders that, that brought these spiritual um, leaders, administrators together. They, they, they kind of sort of held it all together. If, okay. if, if, yeah, that's how I've, how I've understood it. Yep. Um, I'm not sure if they, if they were tapping into the spiritual realm such as uh, the ones that you have mentioned. But yeah. I just, yeah, I think they're, they're more sort of the, the political establishment. <laughs> I've had a similar experience to Nebuchadnezzar. It wasn't quite as direct, but um, I remember going to church and I had a lady come to church and she sat behind me. This was when I was single. And she said, Sharissa, I had a dream about you last night. Oh, I said, really? She How said, exciting. yeah. She said, I dreamt that God brought a wonderful man into your life. He was tall and he had dark brown hair and he had a wonderful personality. And then she added, and he wasn't anybody here in this church. Oh, and he wasn't from Australia. <laughs> well, I said to her, tell me more. <laughs> I just wanted her to go back to sleep so she could keep dreaming and tell me more about this dream. But yeah, Nebuchadnezzar has this dream, but he couldn't remember it, but he knows it's significant. Now, we know that uh, from the... From from ancient times, from the times of of Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon, we know that the they considered dreams as very significant because the gods were seeking to communicate to them. Uh-huh. And so we have we have tablets mm-hmm. that have been discovered, and I've been blessed to go into some of these museums. And you can go into the British Museum today; that's one of the more significant museums where they have um, a, a lot of uh, Near Eastern ancient. Uh, yeah, I guess tablets that have been found, and thankfully they didn't write on paper, mm. or they didn't write on Facebook or Twitter, <laughs> because we wouldn't have anything today. But yeah, they they considered dreams extremely important. It was the gods that were seeking to communicate with them. So Nebuchadnezzar believes that the gods want ah. to communicate an important message to him. He has this dream. But he can't seem to remember it. Or there are some that suggest that he may have known aspects of the dream, but he wanted to test the wise men. And we're going we're mm. to start reading about that as we go along. Oh, so, yeah, right. very significant as far as the king was concerned. This wasn't, you know, like the way we have dreams after we have too much Domino's pizza. This was, <laughs> this was serious business. And oh. we know that it was because of what follows. All right. Maybe do you want to read the next part? Sure. Then the Chaldeans spoke to the king. Sorry. 
Did we read verse 3? Are we up to verse 4? 4, yeah. Okay, verse 4. Then the Chaldeans spoke to the king in Aramaic. O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream and we will give the interpretation. What a way to start off. That's one way to butter someone up. (laughs) (laughs) O king, live forever. (laughs) The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, My decision is firm. If you do not make known the dream to me and its interpretation, you shall be cut in pieces. And your houses shall be made an ash heap. And he really meant it. And he Mm. could do it. And that's what they did back then. However, if you tell the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts, rewards, and great great honor. Therefore, tell me the dream and its interpretation. So so the king's, um, yeah, he's up front. Mm -hmm. He he tells them uh, what the consequences are if they do tell him the dream and what it means. Mm Mm-hmm. As well as if, if they don't. Yeah. So talk about a cabinet reshuffle. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's really interesting too how he's seeking to motivate them uh, through fear and favor. Like, mm. like he wants to reward them. But this is really shallow when you think about it. I mean, it's one way to get loyalty or to get something, you know, scare sounds people. Sounds like what it. we do as parents. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like some of my tactics as a parent. If you do this, my dear, then... <laughs> It's going to go well for you. If not, well, yes. Yeah. I guess it's a good thing for us to even like on a devotional level mm. to think about what motivates us in life. You know, what what is it that drives us? Is it fear or is it to get something or is it the graciousness of God and how he loves us so much that he, he wants me to spend forever with him in heaven? Those are very motivating mm. um thoughts and it's good to think about i guess what drives us yeah absolutely all right i'll read the next part so verse 7 says of daniel chapter 2 they answered again and said let the king tell his servants the dream and we will give its interpretation verse 8 the king answered and said i know for certain that you would gain time because you see that my decision is firm if you do not make known the dream to me there is only one decree for you for you have agreed to speak lying corrupt words before me till the time has changed therefore tell me the dream and i shall know that you can give me its interpretation It's a bit of back and forth here. Verse 10, the Chaldeans answered the king and said, There is not a man on earth who can tell the king's matter. Therefore, no king, lord or ruler has ever asked such thing of any magician, astrologer or Chaldean. It is a difficult thing that the king requests and there is no other who can tell it to the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. Mm, And then it says, yeah, the... For this reason, the king was angry and very furious and gave the command to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree went out and they began killing the wise men and they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. Mm-hmm. So, that, so the king's not backing down. Mm-hmm. He's not backing down. And, and they're trying to negotiate with the king. And um, it's fascinating because Daniel... Uh, when he is brought before the king, which we're going to look at, um, most most probably after our break, we're going to come back to Daniel's response and how he responds to the king's demand. Daniel goes about it in a completely different way. Mm. And uh, these guys are trying to negotiate. They're, they're trying to weasel their way out, but, but not so Daniel. And it reminds me of an interesting story that I heard 
uh, where an individual rang up one of these psychic hotlines. You know uh-huh. the psychic hotlines? I'm sure you've never rung up one of those. I certainly <laughs> oh, haven't. Where you pay $5 for a minute. Anyway, um, the person on the other end, uh, the psychic said, yeah, sure, I'd love to tell you, you know, your future. Not a problem. But before we get started, if you don't mind giving me your credit card details and we'll proceed. And this person said, look, I'll tell you what, my friend, you tell me what my credit card details are and then we will indeed proceed. I love it. <laughs> and so that was kind of the end of the conversation. Yeah. Um, and so that's what the king here is saying. Mm. You tell me what I have dreamed and then I will know that you have a genuine connection with the gods and that what you're going to tell me what this dream means really does mean. And you're not, you're not just going to tell me what I want to hear. Yeah. You're not just going to try, you know, the old tactics, but you're going to, you know, for the first time ever in your careers, you're going to actually tell me the truth. So he, he can smell a rat, this king. Oh, he's smart. He's onto it. And uh, this next song that we're going to listen to, The King Dreams, it's oh, all wow. about this story. I love this <laughs> song. I've actually heard it. So enjoy. We'll be back with what happens next in Daniel chapter 2. Stay tuned. In the ancient land Chaldea, in the mind of a troubled king, came a dream of power and meaning. Yet the dreamer forgot everything But another who dreams of our future Will never forget what he sees So let's believe this dreamer, please The forgetter was Nebuchadnezzar Who called his magicians in But they couldn't see much there And they trembled with fear and chagrin Oh children, remember the spirit Who knows every dream we've dreamed Who tells us we are highly esteemed The king dreams He sees the future Our deliverance
song and uh, bringing us back to this powerful chapter in the Bible. We're in the book of Daniel, chapter 2. You're listening to the show, Looking Up on Faith FM. And uh, Pastor Danny, you made some good comments in the break there. Did you want to mention anything about Nebuchadnezzar and why this is so significant? Well, it's very significant in that I mentioned earlier that the kings believed that uh, in dreams, the gods would communicate to them. Mm. And in particular, according to uh, one dream omen tablet that I that I came across when I was visiting the British Museum, I'm not sure when we're going to ever get back to the British Museum in the days of COVID, but I had the opportunity of going a couple of times. I discovered that, that dreams were considered to be omens of the future. Mm. So the king senses that, that this is... Uh, a message regarding the future and the future of his kingdom. And as we'll go along, we'll discover that, that King Nebuchadnezzar, the architect of, of this incredible city, probably the most glorious city of all, Babylon, um, was very much concerned about the longevity of, of his kingdom. And he believed that it would last forever. So this dream was extremely significant, extremely significant. And so that's why he wanted to know the answer at any cost. Yeah, it really says a lot about God too, doesn't it? Like God could have given this dream to Daniel first. He could have given it to somebody else, but he, he gave it to the king of Babylon, a pagan king who wasn't looking for him particularly, thought he'd already found God in other gods that he had. But it just says to me, the love of God, that he will go to every possible extreme to reach us, to get our attention and to help us to, to come to realize his great love for us. Yeah, and it's, and it's also very interesting because we've got uh, King Nebuchadnezzar who overthrows Jerusalem. You know, we read about that last week in Daniel chapter 1. He overthrows. So basically they believed that 
who, you know, whichever king has the victory, their God is more powerful. And so King Nebuchadnezzar was under the impression and of the belief that his God that he served, uh, the Babylonian, and they had many gods, Mm -hmm. but his God, Marduk, I think, was their their, their main God, that he was a a greater and a more powerful God than the God of the Hebrews, Mm. uh, Jehovah, that that he had uh, overthrown that city and overthrown that God. So this is this is quite incredible that God actually taps into him. And I think our um, our producer came up with a, a very interesting insight, Shell. So we've got to give she credit did. where credit's due. She did. Do you want to share with us what yeah, she shared? She, uh, she said, it's interesting that they admit, this is the wise men, the astrologers, the sorcerers and Chaldeans, they admit they can't actually communicate with the gods that they serve. Isn't that interesting? That's- it is, yeah. I mean, they, they, they basically admitted that they're a fraud. Yeah. They, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, they said there is not a man on earth who can tell the king's matter. There is no other who can tell it to the king, not even their gods. And uh, that is a very true thing that they said. Talk about putting your foot in it, <laughs> digging a hole. <laughs> they really true. dug a hole, so there was really nowhere for them to go. No wonder Nebuchadnezzar was so angry. He said, well, that's all. He paid them good money. He paid them good money to tell him what the gods had to say. I mean, they were supposed to be communicating with the gods, and now they're admitting that they don't have that kind of communication with the gods. It's a different kind of communication. Mm, Incredible. I think we're up to verse 14. Yes, we are. Okay. Do you want to read that? Okay. Then with counsel and wisdom... Daniel answered. So Daniel has been brought before the king um, because Daniel's head is on the chopping block along with his companions, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or Mishael, Azariah, or Hananiah, as are their original Hebrew names. And so their their heads are on the chopping block. And so the Bible says here in verse 14, Then with counsel and wisdom, Daniel answered Arioch. So Arioch is... uh, this king's servant, that's uh, the captain know, of the guard. The captain of the guard that goes to Daniel, the captain of the king's guard who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He answered and said, "In sorry, he answered and said to Arioch, the king's captain, this is Daniel. Why is the decree from the king so urgent?" Then Arioch made the decision known to Daniel. So Daniel went in and asked the king to give him time that he might tell the king the interpretation. Then Daniel went to his house and made the decision known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, that they might seek the mercies from the God of heaven concerning this secret, so that Daniel and his companions might not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. So, and then it goes on and says, Then the secret was revealed to Daniel in a night vision, so Daniel blessed the God of heaven. And we might just pause there for a moment. Mm. But I shared earlier, um, uh, Sharissa, that Daniel has a very different way of responding to the king. Whereas the wise men that we read earlier, they're seeking to negotiate with the king. They're seeking to, to get out of this very difficult spot through, you know, just flattering the king and and finding a way to worm their way out. Not Daniel. Mm. Daniel's not here looking to negotiate with the king. He simply says, give me some time. I need to go and pray to my God and ask my God to reveal to you 
what you have dreamed. So Daniel's very upfront with the king. And uh, and I think it's fascinating that, that the king gives him that opportunity. Yes. He, he, he obviously respects him. He's learned to respect this. That's a good this, point. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, he's learned to respect this young man who put his head on the chopping block in chapter 1 mm. by refusing to drink you know, the king's wine and eat the king's food. And so Daniel stands up for his principles. He, he, as we read at the beginning of the program, you know, Daniel purposed in his heart that he wouldn't defile himself, that he'd be true and faithful to God. So the king here respects Daniel and his friends. And instead of, instead of asking for their heads, he says, yes, take the time. Yeah, that's a great point. I, I like also that, you know, many of us who are listening, some of you listening right now, sometimes life brings us to situations where we don't know what to do. Uh, we've reached a, a crossroad. We need to make a decision. We need help. And when we don't know what to do, we know exactly what to do from mm. reading this story. And that is pray. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, now I was going to say that that's the first thing that Daniel does. Yeah. He prays. Yeah, he prays. And, you know, I, I often, um, when I'm, when I'm faced with a bit of a dilemma, I will often be tempted to look at a solution first and foremost, you know, call a friend, ask a friend, uh, <laughs> Good point. you know, ask someone for some advice or, or read a book or go online, Google it um, to see if you can sort of find a, a solution to your to your dilemma. But I believe in important matters, especially, I mean, in all matters, but in important matters, we ought to come before God first. You know, God shouldn't be the last option. Amen. Shouldn't be the last resort. Mm. Uh, but it should be the very first thing we do. Yes, you know? absolutely. When Daniel wasn't afraid of, of the king of Babylon, because he had a direct line to the king of kings. Amen. <laughs> and uh, that should be like that for us too, as mm. you say. Actually, just thinking about Bible characters, Abraham prayed to God. Uh, Jesus spent hours, nights in prayer. Every Many times the Bible tells us that prayer is such an important part of his life. And yeah, it really should be more of an importance in our lives today too. The, the wonderful thing is we serve a, a living God who hears prayer. Amen. And you may not feel like you know how to pray, but if you will open your heart to the Lord and, and call out to him, even in your heart, God hears those sincere prayers that is truly seeking Him. Yeah, absolutely. I heard someone once say that he who has learnt to bow before the King of the Universe will be able to stand be before any monarch Amen. on earth. And uh, and so that's the experience of Daniel. And he's not. It it, it doesn't come across as flustered. Yeah. He doesn't come across as anxious or fearful. Whereas, whereas the the wise men previously, you can just you can just hear it in their voice. They are shaking in their boots, and rightly so. Their heads are on the chopping block, yeah. but not Daniel. Daniel, Daniel comes in before the king with calmness. He speaks to the captain of the king's guard with calmness, and he still has the same death threat hanging over exactly. His head. But he is very calm, and you can see these two contrasting pictures. Mm. Um, and so, I I personally believe that no matter what we are going through, if if we come to God, if we seek for His peace, that peace that passes all understanding, He will guide and lead us. I think of I think of the story of Jesus uh, in the storm, and I'm going to be preaching. I'm going to be preaching on that this Sabbath at oh, church. Wow. I'm going to be preaching on on when Jesus stilled the storm. You know, I think of the disciples, and you know, they're perplexed, they're afraid, they think they're going to die. And it's interesting when Jesus stands up and He says, you know, He says, "Peace be still," and then He says to the disciples, He says, you know. 
why you why were you afraid mm-hmm. why are you of such little faith mm-hmm. and and often as christians and even myself i i don't i don't have that faith mm-hmm. that i need to have that i want to have and and i'm easily flustered i'm easily anxious mm-hmm. and afraid when i ought not to be instead you can have that peace that passes all understanding when you just simply surrender your life to jesus like daniel he had mm-hmm. surrendered his life he had purposed in his heart not to defile himself. So now Daniel knew, Daniel and his friends knew that they were in God's hands. Mm. And so whatever would happen, it was up to God. You know, they were in his hands and may your will be done. And so Daniel could sleep well at night knowing that he didn't need to worry. He was in God's hands. Amen. That's a that's such a beautiful thing to to think and reflect on as we're reading. You know, in verse 19, it says, A secret was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. Was that a dream or a vision? We're not real sure. Not really sure. Um, we've tended to to understand this as as a dream, but yeah. the Bible very clearly says here a vision. So, yeah, vision. do you want to explain the difference between a dream and a vision? God communi- God communicating to a prophet mm. uh, through a dream and a vision. I guess dream is kind of. Uh, my understanding is a dream is when you're like asleep. Yes. And a vision is when you're awake. So King Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. Yes. So he's asleep, yes. and God communicates to him as he is sleeping. But yeah, Daniel was awake. Yeah. Um, and he received this vision. True. Maybe God woke him up. Maybe. Maybe God woke him up and gave him the vision. Either way, he was pretty trusting and relaxed. He was very trusting and relaxed. <laughs> All right, verse 20. I'll read this part. So this is Daniel's response after God shows him. Verse 20, Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. Wow, what a beautiful truth that is. Wisdom and might belong to God. Verse 21, and he changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkness and light dwells with him. I thank you and praise you, O God of my fathers. You have given me wisdom and might and have now made known to me what we asked of you, for you have made known to us the king's demand. Wow. That's a prayer. That's a prayer. That is a really powerful prayer. And uh, he, he begins with, you know, blessing the name of God forever and ever. And he gives, he gives God all the praise. Yes. All the praise. And I find it fascinating here. You know, we've just gone through this crazy election <laughs> cycle there in the United States. And I hear the promises in Daniel's prayer. God removes kings and raises up kings. So God is sovereign. It's in God's hands. Mm. Um, and so... Although, although God allows for, for freedom of choice and we have that privilege, but God is ultimately sovereign. He is in control. That's what I think Daniel here is stating, yes. that God is in control. The future is in his hands and we can trust him. So we hope that um, you're being as blessed by this study as we are. We're going to go to a, a song right now by Ron and Patty Valiant. It's a scripture song on Daniel 2, 20 to 23, and also some Revelation 15. Enjoy. Blessed be the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and might are His, and He changeth the times and the seasons. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that 
blessed be the name of God forever and ever. Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty, just and true are thy ways, thou King of song. I love scripture songs. It's a wonderful way to commit mm, God's amen. word to memory. If you hear it in song, somehow it just sticks better. So, um, Danny, we've been stepping through Daniel chapter 2, and we just got to a beautiful prayer that Daniel prays in, in response to God's answer to his prayer, showing him the dream that uh, he had given to the king. Is there anything you'd like to pick out about that prayer before we move on? Well, there's a lot of aspects. We've already taken a look at a couple of them, but I think in verse 22, it's significant here where Daniel prays, God, that is he, that is God, reveals deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkness and light dwells with him. And so this assures us that there is nothing secretive with God. Uh, what may be in the darkness, uh, God brings that out in light mm. and that God is the one who reveals deep and secret things. God God wants us to know the future in order to build faith in his word and in his promises. There's a number of scriptures uh, where, where Jesus himself, uh, I think of John 14, 29, where Jesus says, and I have and you know, and I've told you these things before they come to pass, that when they do come to pass, that you may believe. Mm. And so God wants us to have faith and trust in his word. And so these prophecies that we are looking at uh, really build confidence in God's word, in God's promises, that he knows the end from the beginning and that he cares about us. And this prophecy is, is an incredible prophecy. As we go along, we'll discover, you know, it gives us such wonderful hope that God is in control and that he will bring uh, this sin-sick virus that we have been living through and in for the last 6,000 years to an end once and forevermore. Amen. The pandemic will never strike the universe again, that that one. That's right. Um, All right. Well, that's such a beautiful thought and a wonderful prayer. Do you want to read the next portion of the chapter or do you want me to? Sure. Yeah. You can go ahead. Okay. The Bible continues in verse 24. It says, Therefore Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus to him, Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Take me before the king, and I will tell the king the interpretation. Then Arioch quickly brought Daniel before the king and thus said and said thus to him, I have found a man of the captives of Judah who will make known to the king the interpretation. The king answered and said to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, 
Are you able to make known to me the dream which I have seen and its interpretation? Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, The secret which the king has demanded, the wise men, the astrologers, the, and the magicians, and soothsayers cannot declare to the king. But, verse 28, but there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Your dream and the visions of your head upon your bed were these. Wow. <laughs> it is, wow. So here Daniel, here Daniel is, is very clear with the king that he doesn't have any special abilities or any special powers to know the future or to reveal to the king what he dreamed, but he gives all the credit to God. Mm. He says there is a God in heaven. Mm. And he includes himself in the wise men because he was part of the wise men. So he's saying there's nothing special about me or mm. my friends. Mm -hmm. We are no different to the others when it comes to our ability um, to, to communicate with the gods. We don't have that ability. Yes. God here is making known to you, O King. And he says from basically to the latter days, or that's another word, to the last days of human history. So, so Daniel makes it clear to the king that God has revealed to him what will be taking place in the then known world and the world at large, in particular as the, as the dream reaches a climax from his day, from the king's day, some two and a half thousand years ago, all the way to the end of human history. Some two and a half thousand years and and counting. Yeah, this is this is an amazing moment in Bible history. It's an amazing story for that reason. I love verse twenty eight, the certainty with which he speaks. But there is not there might be a God in heaven, or I think there's a God in heaven. But there is a God in heaven. He knows with absolute assurance there is a God. And this is this is just. Uh... Such a strong statement because you have King Nebuchadnezzar, as I pointed out earlier, he, he believed um, and understood that his God was the great God mm. that he served and the Babylonians served. And yet Daniel says, no, there is a king, there is a God, the one and only true God, and he reigns and rules from heaven and he is the one. He is the one. There is no other. And it's fascinating um, that in Isaiah, there's a powerful scripture when it comes to God revealing the future. And this is what it says in Isaiah 46 verses 9 and 10, where God says, Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. Mm. I am God and there is no one like me declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things that are not yet done. Amen. So that's God speaking and he says there is no one else. And there's not many gods, just one. That's right. There's only yeah. one true God. Yeah, amazing. Well, do you want to do you want to carry on sure. with the rest? So in verse 29 we continue to read as for you, O king, thoughts came to your mind while you're while you're on your bed about what would come to pass after this, that is, after your kingdom, uh, th that is, after your death. And he who reveals secrets has made known to you what will be. But as for me, this secret has not been revealed to me because I have more wisdom than anyone living. There you go. That's just what I said earlier. But for our sakes, who made known the interpretation to the king, and that you may know the thoughts of your heart. Mm. Then he goes on. You, O king, were watching 
and behold a great image. And then he goes ahead and he begins to unpack for the king what he dreamt. So shall we press on here with this? Yes. All right. We don't want to, everyone's, everyone's just waiting anxiously for... I don't know how far we'll get. But... <laughs> All right. Let's keep going. This is, this is what the king says. Sorry, this is what Daniel says to the king. You, O king, were watching and behold a great image. I think there's a, a this, phone call coming this through. This great image. <laughs> Here we go. Let me start off again. We have to kill that. You, O king, were watching and behold a great image. This great image whose splendor was excellent stood before you and its form was awesome. This image's head was of fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, and its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. You watched while a stone was cut out without hands, which struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were crushed together and became like chaff from the summer threshing floors. The wind carried them away so that no trace of them was found. And the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. Mm. This is the dream. Wow. Mm. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the king, you know, sitting on the edge of his throne? Yes. He's like, yes, that's what I saw. Yeah, exactly. It's like, yes, yes. It's all coming back to him. Now, either either he, he had limited... Um, details that he could recall at the end of his dream or he had no details, he just couldn't recall it or possibly he knew much of the detail or all of the detail and he was testing Mm -hmm. the wise men. Mm -hmm. Regardless of what the scenario is, he clearly here now is able to to discern that this is the dream. Clearly this is the dream, whether whether he lost some of it, all of it or none of it. It's all there, and now he recognizes that the God of heaven is the true God because there is no way any human being could make this up. It's impossible. Mm, It is. And so he is convinced that what's going to come out of Daniel's mouth is not coming from Daniel's mouth, but is coming from the God of heaven. Amen. Wow. Actually, I like the next verse, verse 36. This is the dream, what you just shared. Now we will tell the kid the interpretation of it before the king. I was reading that. It's like, who's the we? Hmm. It's Daniel and God. Like it's God through me. Yeah. Isn't it amazing? Like God, Daniel has such a personal f- walk with the Lord. Yeah. Like he, he really loved God, served him and knew him personally. He was one with God, wasn't he? Was. he? In, in, in union. It reminds us of Enoch. Mm-hmm. And the Bible says he walked with God and he was no more. God took him. Mm. Speaks of Noah who walked with God, Abraham, you know, communicated with God, Moses, yeah. you know, and, and it, so many others. And it's something that we too can experience. I was going to ask you that. Can, can <laughs> we have that same experience of hey, yes. that oneness, that closeness with God? Yeah, I believe so. I believe that's what God calls us to. Um, Jesus says, abide in me and I in you. He wants to have a connected relationship with us, not just once a week, or but every day, day by day, moment by moment, mm. where we are lifting our hearts up to him in prayer and uh, speaking with him, conscious of him all mm. the time. That's John 15, isn't it, where yes. Jesus says, you know, I am the vine, you are the branches. Yes. And so, yeah, that's, you know, you think about that, Sharissa. I, I sometimes pause and think, the God of the universe wants to have an intimate, 
personal relationship with me, mm. with, with all of us. And it's, it's just fascinating to me that, you know, here we are on this planet, you know, on the edge of the universe, this vast universe, we're just this little tiny speck of dust, mm -hmm. if that, mm -hmm. in comparison to this massive universe. And God cares enough about each and every one of us that he wants to have a personal relationship, an intimate relationship with us. And he would want that even if we, you know, as if we were the only person living on planet Earth. And yet there's nearly 8 billion of us. And he wants the same for every single person. That's just so beautiful, so powerful. It's, that's the kind of God I want to know. That's the kind of God I want to get to know and, and to learn more about because that's attractive. You know, mm. He's not a dictator. He's not a, a forceful, vengeful God. The God of the Bible is one that's very personal. It's, it's and the God. And we talked about this during the break, Sharice, and I'm glad you brought it up. God here, as we go through the story of Nebuchadnezzar in chapter 1, 2, 3, and 4, and you see how God is seeking to woo this ancient king through love. Yes. Not through force, but yes. through love yeah. all the way through. And, uh, and that's how God wants to reach us. He wants to reach us through love. I mean, you know, you think of your dear husband, you know, <laughs> how did he woo you? Not, not through compulsion, not through threats, no. uh, maybe through a little bit of flattery. I'm not sure, but, <laughs> but, but I could say mainly through love, through yeah. love, through genuine love. Yeah. that you were able to freely respond to because that's what love is. Love is something that is freely given. Yeah. I like a quote that I heard, only by love is love awakened. So mm. God's love for us should awaken as we come to realize it. Um, it awakens a love for him in us.
I'm Robbie Bergen, and I'm inviting you to tune into my brand new show right here on Faith FM, The Faith Experiment. Join me as I share with you my personal experiment with faith and how September 11, 2001 helped shape my worldview. I've got great giveaways, so join me on Mondays right after the breakfast show right here on Faith FM. All right, welcome back, everyone, to Looking Up. We are stepping through Daniel chapter 2. We're up to verse 37. And uh, yeah, did you? I'll read the first the first part, and I'll hand to to you, Pastor Danny. The Bible says, "You, O King, are a King of Kings, for the God of Heaven has given you a kingdom, power, strength, and glory. And wherever the children of men dwell, or the beasts of the field and the birds of the heaven, He has given them into your hand and has made you ruler over them all. You are this head of gold." All right, so this is. Daniel speaking to the king, and he says, You, O king, are this head of gold. So the kingdom of Babylon was represented by this head of gold in this image dream. Now, I think we need to point out something very important here, Sharissa, and that is uh, in in ancient times, in the the times of Babylon, they were very familiar with images because they worshipped images, Mm -hmm. but they did not... Uh, create images or, or make images that were made up of all these different metals. Like mm-hmm. Babylon, it was gold. Everything was in gold, and that's why God says head of gold. So so the king here recognizes that, that this is speaking of empires because an image in ancient times was often associated with an empire. Okay, that's interesting. And so you have this image with different metals, and so the king now is like, wow. You know, maybe there's going to be another empire after mine and so on and so forth. So Daniel here says, your head, sorry, the head, (laughs) your head, your head head is made of gold. No, he doesn't say that. (laughs) The king probably would have liked that. He would have. That's next week. (laughs) That's next week. week Um, So we have, we have here, yeah, Babylon listed as, as the head of gold. And we know, we know from history that Babylon was indeed uh, a golden kingdom. It's uh, considered to be one of the, if not these, uh, if not the most magnificent city mm. that has ever been built in all of human history. Mm-hmm. And so we're talking six thousand years of human history. It was filled with gold there um, in ancient. We probably need to probably need to let people know where Babylon is. It's um, in modern day Iraq. Not too far from the capital there, Baghdad. Okay. And ancient Babylon, ancient Babylon ruled the world, the then known world, from 605 to 539 BC when it was overthrown mm-hmm. by the next power, which we're going to get to in just a little bit. And as I pointed out, um, yeah, gold was the preeminent metal of the Babylonians. In fact, uh, I remember reading one historian that pointed out that it had some 200 temples. Wow. That King Nebuchadnezzar built, wow. and they were overlaid with gold. And um, you know, one of the one of the temples was uh, two hundred meters high. Wow! And so, you know, th- th- there was just so much gold. There was just so much gold. In fact, one historian said that there was more gold than dust. <laughs> That's an amazing quote. <laughs> more gold than dust. Um, one of the one of the uh, seven ancient wonders. Of the then known world, the Hanging Gardens of Babylon yes. was built by King Nebuchadnezzar mm-hmm. for one of his wives. 
And so, yeah, it was it was just a, an amazing city. One historian wrote, its ancient power and glory had no equal in the ancient world. And in fact, in the book of Isaiah, chapter 13, verse 19, uh, the prophet Isaiah speaks of Babylon as the glory of kingdoms, the mm. glory of kingdoms. And in another passage, if I can find it here, in another passage here in Jeremiah uh, 51, verse 37, it speaks of Babylon um, mm-hmm. becoming uh, an ash heap, <laughs> an ash heap where no human would inhabit the place, which well, is what we have today. that's rather interesting, yeah. I, I'm, I mean, for Nebuchadnezzar, I'm sure when Daniel told him, you are this head of gold, he would have been really kind of thrilled with that because he had quite an ego. I haven't been to ancient, I haven't seen any of the ruins or anything of, of that, but I understand, and maybe you can tell me if I'm right or if this is correct, that Nebuchadnezzar had such an ego that he had his name stamped on thousands of mud bricks that have been found in Babylon. Is that yes, true? That's, that, that's exactly right. He had his name stamped on, um, yeah, on, on pretty much every brick. Uh, that he built and um, and it's fascinating because um, we, we have those inscriptions now and what those and, and what was on those uh, bricks basically on the bricks and on the tablets we have words we have Nebuchadnezzar's name and on one tablet that was discovered may it last forever mm. may it last forever so he he believed that yeah his kingdom was going to last forever and it's interesting that uh, Saddam Hussein Mm-hmm. who was was ultimately taken out of the way and um you know, his life came to an end he was hanged from what i from what i recall his hero was king nebuchadnezzar mm. and it was his aim to build up an empire you know rivaling that of king nebuchadnezzar and that was on the <laughs> front cover of a time magazine your favorite magazine yes my favorite <laughs> magazine um when when he was seeking to invade iraq mm. so that time magazine's back in august of 1990 and so we have uh, saddam hussein who pictured himself he had a he had a, an artist put a put a put a put a i guess a painting together mm-hmm. of himself and king nebuchadnezzar overlooking the city of Babylon. Mm-hmm. And you see them also riding in a chariot. You see them riding in a chariot where King Nebuchadnezzar's uh, the one steering the chariot and you've got Saddam Hussein with a bow and, a, and an arrow shooting away and you've got jets flying, helicopters flying and so forth. So, <laughs> yeah, he was, he was a real hero. Yeah. Nebuchadnezzar was a real hero for Saddam Hussein. So that's, that's yeah. a little fascinating it, little fact. so interesting. And he tried to rebuild. Yeah. He tried to rebuild Babylon, mm-hmm. uh, the ancient city. This is Saddam Hussein tried, even though God said it wouldn't be uh, inhabited and rebuilt again. But he tried to do that. And, you know, the Gulf War came, the first Gulf War came, and that put an end to his uh, building plans and aspirations. And then we have, you know, the second Gulf War mm. took place and that completely obliterated his plans. So very interesting, very fascinating. Yeah, well, this is just the head. After the head comes the shoulders, <laughs> so the chest and arms. What happened next? I'll hand to you. The belly and thighs of bronze. Okay, let's take a look at that. So we are now in verse 39. 39, thank you. But after you 
shall arise another kingdom inferior to yours. Mm -hmm. And so we do. We have we have another kingdom coming onto the scene, and that's the kingdom of Medo-Persia. Exactly, the Medes and the Persians. They were a coalition. Uh, the Persians were more powerful. Uh, even though they came up last, they were more powerful and they were led by Cyrus the Great mm -hmm. who overthrew, overthrew Babylon. Yeah. Now, that was a feat in itself. Now, why is that? Well, that's because uh, you have Babylon. That was known as the Titanic okay. of the then known world. Uh, it was fortified. It had uh, three separate walls wow. that circled the entire city. And uh, you have you have these three walls, and uh, you know you've got the outer walls that were like ten meters thick, about sixty to seventy meters high, and inner walls as well that were very thick. Uh, you have you have the river Euphrates running through the middle of the city that was a continual water supply. Mm -hmm. They had food anywhere between fifty, sixty, seventy years stored. So they could be uh, surrounded and besieged and they'd oh, be all right. Yeah, that'd be okay. And they and had if, water. And yeah, food. absolutely. One historian points out that I came across that uh, the Babylonians were throwing food. <laughs> they were throwing food at the Medo-Persians, just wow. saying, look, you know, um, here, you need some. You know, we've got, wow. we've got way too much. That's interesting. <laughs> and so, yeah, the, you know, the, the, there was just no way that Babylon could be overthrown as far as the Babylonians were concerned. They were safe and secure. In fact, in fact, we have the story of the overthrow of Babylon in Daniel chapter 5 mm -hmm. with King Belshazzar, who is a, a grandson or a great-grandson of King Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, he's holding a party. He's holding <laughs> a, right. a banquet, a party with a thousand of his lords, and they're getting drunk on the very night when Babylon was overthrown by the Medes and the Persians. Yes, and actually, the Bible also names the man, Cyrus, um, who would take the city of Babylon too, doesn't it? It does. In Isaiah, I think it's Isaiah 45, verses 1 and 2. Maybe we could go there briefly. Our time's going so quick. It is We've flying still, along. We've still got so much more to look at. But Isaiah chapter 45, this is, this is a fascinating passage. It was written like 140 years before... It happened, I guess. Cyrus and the Cyrus Cylinder confirms it. That's right. But um, Isaiah 45 verses 1 and 2, this is what the Bible says. Thus says the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have held to subdue nations before him and loose the armor of kings to open before him. Now you can tell us about this. The double doors so that the gates will not be shut. I will go before you and make the crooked places straight. I will break in pieces the gates of bronze and cut the bars of iron. Well, yes, this is, as you pointed out, about 150 years before the birth of Cyrus. Mm -hmm. uh, God, through the prophet Isaiah, names him by name as the one who would come and overthrow Babylon and ultimately release, uh, release the, the captives that were taken captive from Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. Now, it's fascinating to me that... We have we have here how how Babylon will fall that the the river or the waters will be dried up and so there's a few different interpretations of what took place but we have Cyrus who who diverted the river Euphrates to a point where the water was about you know knee to about waist deep and the soldiers went in underneath uh, the outer walls. And in order to make their way into the, into the city, 
those those gates, those massive gates that lined the river Euphrates, one of them needed to be open and they were always closed. Obviously, mm-hmm. with the army outside, they would have been closed. But for, for some reason, that very evening, just as God had predicted, these huge double doors were left wide open. And so Cyrus and his army came into Babylon. The, they overthrew uh, the Babylonians and they... And they put an end to the Babylonian Empire that very evening. In fact, it's it's if you go to the British Museum, there is a Cyrus cylinder, the famous Cyrus cylinder that shares exactly how Cyrus overthrew the, the city. And I won't go through and read the entire script here, but as I was reading it, I was just so fascinated because God said it would happen in a very... Uh, in a very peaceful manner, so to speak. Yeah. And that's exactly what took place because you have here on the Cyrus cylinder where Cyrus says, you know, I am Cyrus, king of the world, great king, legitimate king, king of Babylon, and he goes on and on. And then at the bottom it says, the cylinder, that is the Cyrus cylinder, records Cyrus's peaceful capture of Babylon in 539 BC. Wow. That's in the British Museum. And that's exactly what God said here. In Isaiah 45, verse 1, that yeah. Babylon would be captured in a peaceful manner as far as, you know, the walls wouldn't be breached. Yep. Um, but the army would just march in through the open doors. Fascinating stuff. This is incredible uh, how God foretold it before yeah. it happened. You know, we've actually got a question that's just come in and I'm looking at the time. Uh, maybe we can have a look at it. and um, Let's go for it. Let's see if we can so, give, a, give a quick uh, response we have a friend listening mick mick wants to know and i think we've heard from mick before and yes, so it's good have. to have you mick listening why are you extending the prophecy into the last two thousand years when john the baptist and jesus said the kingdom of heaven is at hand does that mean the kingdom we are in now has no end good question that's a good question. Um, I guess I guess the prophecy that we are looking at here is speaking of from is is a prophecy related to the time from Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, some two and a half thousand years ago, all the way through to the latter days, right. as we read, to the last days of of human history. Yes. And there's a significant aspect here, and we haven't gone through and looked at the entire interpretation mm-hmm. of this parable, which we will be doing, obviously not today because we won't get around to it, but we'll be doing that next week when we continue. But it's very clear here, right at the end of the king's dream, yes. that there is a stone that is cut out without hands that comes at the very end of all these human kingdoms that fills the whole world. Yes. And that becomes an everlasting kingdom. So the kingdom is from the kingdoms that are here described are from the days of King Nebuchadnezzar all the way to the end of time when, as we'll discover, God will set up his everlasting kingdom. Now, John the Baptist and Jesus, they they ministered and lived during the Roman Empire, mm-hmm. which is one of the kingdoms that is listed here in Daniel chapter 2. It is. So we're going to deal with that yes. next week, but not yes. today. But thank you for that question. And so... That is um, that is what the Bible teaches. Yeah, I think, and yeah, that's a great answer. And I think the answer is just going to get more and more clear as we keep going next week because this prophecy is just incredible. Oh, it gets going. more fascinating yeah. and more specific yes. and uh, more exciting as we go along. So we have only just started here by taking a look at this kingdom of Babylon. Yeah. That was the first one, followed by the Medes and the Persians. And it's interesting, Sharissa, that um, God describes 
the kingdom of Medo-Persia through chests and arms of silver. Mm. Why silver? Well, yeah. if you, I went to, once again, the British Museum. Uh-huh. The British Museum there has uh, a number of uh, artifacts from the time of the Medes and the Persians or the Persian Empire. And I've had, a, I've had the privilege of going to Persia, wow. uh, ancient Persia, which is modern-day Iran. Uh-huh. I was there a few years ago, about three years ago. And uh, there you can find in the, in the museums of the world, they have artifacts, plates, uh, they have cups and other utensils made of silver. Wow. Now, why silver? That's because under the Medes and the Persians, they collected their taxes in silver. So God knew what he was doing. He knew what he was doing. So, <laughs> you know, gold, well, that was quite obvious because, you know, Babylon was a, a kingdom of gold. Everybody knew that. Yep. But, you know, Medo-Persia and silver. Fascinating. Wow. This is, this is amazing. And I hope you're just as amazed as you're hearing this ancient prophecy and how it speaks and speaks today and spoke through to so many years of history in advance. We're going to go to a song shortly, and it's actually a song that I think is really appropriate to finish this mm. part of our study on. It's called God Works in and He Moves in a Mysterious Way. And I just thought it'd be good for us to highlight just some of the lyrics because it says, Behind a frowning providence, He hides a smiling face. And I go to this next part. Blind unbelief is sure to err and scan his work in vain. For God is his own interpreter and Mm. he will make it plain. Amen. That's what we found in this Bible study.
interpreter and he will make it plain. Well, it's been such a joy to have you listening with us in this Bible study and we've just got some final remarks and um, I also want to pray with you. So I'd like to invite Danny to share with us what those final announcement is about the free offer. Okay, thank you, Sharissa. Yeah, our free offer today is a book, a wonderful book, Visions and Dreams, a fresh look at Daniel and Revelation. So uh, the first person to call in right now or send us a message, uh, you will be the one that will take this away. And I do want to be uh, praying for those who have got a special prayer. But before that, just the number, call 1-800-324-843. Or you can text us on 0491-064-669. So I just want to have a prayer for each and every person that God will bless. Father in heaven, we thank you that you are an awesome God. You are a God who is not only in control of this universe but you want to be a but you want to be the god who is intimately involved in our everyday lives in every aspect we thank you lord that you reveal yourself to us through mm-hmm. your word and we pray that you will bless each person for the rest of this day and this week until we meet again in jesus name we pray amen amen well, thank you, Pastor Danny. And uh, yeah, we, we really look forward to having you join us again this time next week as we continue to go through Daniel chapter 2. And if you have friends, you should tell them about this show. Get them to get their Bibles out and uh, follow along with us because really it just it never gets old. This study is just so relevant to right now and you will be blessed as you see for yourself what God's Word has to say. Uh, is there anything else you want to add, Pastor Danny? No, I just want to thank God for his word and that he gives us certainty in these uncertain times that we live in and we thank god for the sure word of prophecy and we can um yeah we can stake our lives we can stake our eternity on god's word so we're very very thankful to god for giving us these wonderful prophecies that enhance our faith and trust in him amen i think you said that very well there is a god in heaven so may god bless you as you go about your week remember fear looks around regret looks back but faith looks up keep looking up and may god bless you till we hear and be with you again next week amen god bless keep looking up don't give up don't give up when there's pain deep in your heart 
Keep looking up, don't give up, don't give up. Should the tears begin to start? With a prayer, all your cares He will cast into the depths of the sea. His love is always there for me.